What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Lever Up podcast. I'm your co-host, Jim Caval, the founder and CEO of Influencer, joining you from the Influencer HQ today in Birmingham, Alabama. We have a special guest and an awesome conversation ahead. I'm going to set it up to Nashville to our other co-host, founder and CEO of On3, Shannon Terry. Shannon? Thanks, Jim. Um, very happy to be here. So, so, Trent, I started doing some just background research. You know, obviously, I know you. I know what you're about. I want to get the facts right. So first round pick, yep. 14 years in the NFL, mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion, ESPN career, you know, awesome. We may know you more for that. Okay. <laughs> High school head coach and, yeah. and, you know, awesome work, what you're doing there in the community. I found something in football that you have not done. What is that? An NIL deal. That's true. You did not get, did not you did not get it. Yes. I did not. Yeah. I wish I would have. But if you look at your your long history here and, and what sports and football mm-hmm. has meant to you and, and meant to your family, it's like, you know, I've always said every relationship I have, every opportunity I've had has come through sports. And so that's what NIL is in mm-hmm. large part. And that's what college ath- athletics, high school athletes about. And that's why we're, we're here. We're doing this for the kids. So I'm going to start this off with one question. Don't don't wear this. You you've got the lens of the pro, the coach, the player, high school player, all of it. This is just from the college perspective. Okay, mm-hmm. your perspective from the college perspective, not high school of NIL. Okay, so I'll answer that question with a little contextual setup. I believe that coaching should be kid centric. I think everything should be kid centric. Unfortunately, it's become coach centric. It's become booster centric. It's become institutional centric. It's become what it shouldn't be, and that's about the kid. So in that context, I think NIL is great. I think it's amazing that now players are able to capitalize on their name, image, likeness. They can create an income stream for themselves while they're college athletes. They can provide for their families, and that's something that's not being talked about enough is one of the best things here, there's a lot of families that don't have a lot of means, and sports has been their investment into their child it got their child to get a college education, which is amazing. But from that college education, that player can also provide for them, their families and get them to a better spot. So overall, and I'm sure we'll dig into this a lot, but overall, I'm a massive fan of NIL. So high school, yep. let's just jump straight, straight to that because I think it's 13 or 14 states you know, it's, 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 it's available to high school athletes. Mm-hmm. Most of the states were most of the talent it's not. Mm-hmm. So what's your, what's your view from that? And, and listen, you're right in the middle of it. You have yeah, great players. You I have too. four stars. You have five stars. Yeah. You're probably looking at the state across Why, the street. Where are going to take my guys? So, so should <laughs> high school kids be able to participate in NIL? And then, you know, what are the ramifications for that? Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I'm still wrapping my brain around it. So I don't know if I have a definitive answer there. And, I, and part of this, I'll be honest, might be a little fear-based. Because I do, I have I have ten players that um, are big time players. They're gonna be they're gonna play on Saturdays, and some of them may play on Sundays. And the fear is that we know we're giving them best in class resources, best in class coaching, human development, helping them academically, uh, making them better people. And then if a state that has the ability to give NIL can come in and poach one of those players for some money, it's like. I'm torn because I want them to be part of us. Uh, I want them to help us win. I want to pour into that kid, but I also don't want to hold that kid back 
from making some money. And I've been asked the question, we have one player specific, I'm not gonna use his name, that if, if somebody came and said, hey, this high school, this state could give him X amount of money, how would you feel about that? And I said, honestly, I think I'd have to release him and be happy about it. If we can't provide, if we can't match it, if we can't find a way to provide for him and his family, then I'd have to, with open arms, say, hey, this is a great opportunity for you economically. And you should, especially if the, the school he was going to provided some of the same development that we do here at Lipscomb Academy. So it's a tough one. Um, I don't know where that road's headed. Uh, and it's one that every day in our office, we sit around and talk about. I mean, we're trying to prepare for that if Tennessee becomes one of those states um, that can provide NIL opportunities for players. Um, but now, now, you know, it's high school football. It's hard to provide the type of resources that some other places can. Well, and, you know, Trent, the thing is, is I, I think, you know, out of everything you said, it makes complete sense. And it's awesome. You really do put the kids first. And I think both Shannon and I have already learned that about you, just getting to know you, how you've built the program you've built at Lipscomb Academy. But one thing I, I would correct you on is you do know it's where it's going. Because, you know, like <laughs> just a few months ago, there was 10 states and now there's 16. And it's only going to be sooner than later that Tennessee jumps in. What I think is interesting is I entered the college space with Influencer four years before NIL began. And it took a coach and Coach Calipari who believed that even if NIL didn't come anytime soon, by helping his players just build their brand, grow their mm -hmm. followers on social, along with helping them be the best potential pro they can be on the court with their performance, that that combination of their roster value and their brand value could be realized in the NBA, right? And I think you already can offer that today at Lipscomb because you just said 10 players are going to play big-time college football where kids are all starting to make real money now mm -hmm. through NIL. And the bigger the program they go play for, the more money they're going to be able to make outside of their, you know, their college athletics experience. So are you at least starting to look at how you can show the athlete, not just how well you can help them grow their performance value, but their brand value. You guys shoot a bunch of content. You guys can talk to them about social media, what to do, what not to do to get them ready for college where they can now monetize that roster and brand value. Relentlessly. <laughs> it becomes probably the, the biggest conversation we have with our, players outside getting ready to play their best football on a Friday night and um, be great citizens and be great uh, um, ambassadors uh, in their community is how do we properly help you grow your brand, uh, represent yourself, your team, your community, your family in a positive way where people want to attach themselves to your brand. And then what we try to do is we try to pour gasoline on their brand. So we've built an entire media department out of our program. Uh, 15 million impressions in our in our four years, five million already this year, and we're one game into it. Um, we, you know, I, part of that helps because I'm doing my national TV hits with Colin Coward and Ryan Rosillo and things like that. So it gives me a platform to be able to share what we're doing. Um, but we're doing that for the kid. We're not. I don't need any. I don't even open my Twitter. I don't need any more followers, right? I don't do this anymore. I did that. Those are my ESPN days where brand mattered. Um, I don't care 
it doesn't, we don't monetize it through the program. So it's not a big deal for the program. It's really so we can highlight our kids. We're trying to highlight them in such a way that then they can parlay that into continuing that messaging. And we call it the messaging of goodness. We want football goodness. Uh, if we just keep under that, that we talk our kids about is it's football because that's what you are. And that's how you're going to make a, a living is with football. But it's the goodness of football. It's what are you doing for others? How are you getting better? What are you investing into your team? What are you doing outside of the game that people want, want to see you do? Uh, and, and our kids that, that are, you know, I try not to use, I don't think we should be using high school names on a, on a <laughs> podcast, yeah. but you know, we'll just call them our four and five star kids are really starting to understand that because now the, the reaction that they're getting is more than, oh, you know, you're gonna get smacked down by this team or you're so great or where are you going to college? The narrative's changing to, oh wow, you're thoughtful, you're thinking ahead, this is bigger than just high school football for, for you, you're, you're planning a career in this. And I think just that slight little change of narrative of, hey, I'm about football goodness, the goodness mm -hmm. of me, I'm gonna be the best I can be, but also all the good things football um, does for myself, my family, and the people around me. Yeah, you know, before we kind of touch on the goodness part, because I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of NIL, and I'll go into the reason why in just a second. So from a high school NIL perspective, I've got a couple concerns. And I, and I think the money to the athlete actually shouldn't be, it's not incumbent on the high school or the programs. It's mm -hmm. going to be more, you know, from where they're going to school. Mm -hmm. And so how does that intersect with pay, pay for play? Mm -hmm. you know, which is going to be a problem that, that has to work out. I'm also concerned with, with high school athletes sitting out, mm -hmm. you know, or, or enrolling early when they're not ready, you know, just because of the NIL opportunity uh, that's available. I'm concerned about, you know, a, a state of Florida passing legislation, you know, that allows kids to monetize and everyone moves there while, yep. while programs, you know, are depleted in surrounding states. And so, listen, I understand, you know, all, all of the, the legal issues and, and that, that we have to work through, but these things, they're probably not going to be addressed for a while. And so we're going to go through a, through a rocky period with it. And that's just, that's all part of getting an efficient marketplace, which it's going to take some time. I agree. And I also think another big thing that hasn't been talked about enough is that the golden rule, we talk about this in professional sports, the golden rule of professional sports is money makes you more what you were before you got it. Character reveal. That's all yep. it is. Makes you more of what you were before you got it. So some of these high school kids are in the really impressionable years of their life. Some of them haven't figured out the maturity piece yet. Some of them wouldn't know what to do. Their families wouldn't know what to do if they all of a sudden had a lot of money. Um, I think that's an issue both at the high school and the college level. Uh, I also think that it, it like I, the one that scares me the most is a state passes legislature where they yep. can all go and have the opportunity to make money, those states open up a bunch of private schools. Yep. It's not just the <laughs> other states that are effective, affected, it's the public schools within that state yep. now start getting effect, affected. And I'm the son of a public school high school football coach. And he didn't have any Power 5 players. He didn't have any college players. But he, he developed great men that now to this day, he's 75 years old and we'll be at a lunch and he'll have five, six, seven people come up to him and tell him how much he changed their lives with the principles that he taught them. And if high school sports, football specifically, becomes college sports 
and it's just a place to go make money, well then now you're losing a lot of the goodness again that just public high school football programs can provide. I, I agree, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk to Jim sees this more than, because he spent so much time with, with the institutions, but the two big problems with NIL that are the big concerning pieces are you know, the high school level piece, you know, because if, if that starts to happen and it happens out of order, the entire ecosystem gets messed up. So it has to, it has to be some semblance of an order wherever, where it is fair, at least from a state to state. The big thing where I think we're going to see this year in college sports is the whole transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Because as a, as a college coach, you will probably say, you know, this, this kid here who's played in the bright lights, two years, I know what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. That's an incredibly valuable commodity to these college coaches. And I think we're going to see a disruption in the transfer process like we have never seen this year. Mm -hmm. Well, it's free agency. It's free agency. Unfortunately, yep. unfortunately, it's free agency. And if, if you look Every at year our, now. Yeah, and if you look at our professional leagues, there is guidelines and guardrails around free agency. Yeah. Um, the unions, and, the, 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 the ownership have done a decent job, I would say, of providing those guard worlds. Now, is there tampering? Yeah, we had an example of tampering this year with the Miami Dolphins. But it, it's, it's frowned upon. It's definitely something that they, they, there's oversight to it. And there needs to be the same thing as you combine NIL with the transfer portal. If it was just NIL, I don't think it's quite as dynamic. But because the transfer portal is there, um, they're at the same time and they're working together. It's just become the wild, wild west of free agency with no guidelines, with no oversight. So that piece, I think, has to be figured out. I agree with you. This year is going to be an explosion, <laughs> um, basically a train wreck. But at some point, they have to say, okay, I think NIL is more important. We got to handle this transfer portal thing and make sure they're not working together. Well, and I think, listen, I think the best athletes who are thinking about the next level are putting NIL in perspective for the most part. They're still going to make money in college, uh, but a Bancaro at Duke, for instance, could have made twice as much as he made. But instead, he said no to a lot of deals because he wanted to focus on trying to be the number one pick in the NBA draft, right? And even Bryce Young has done a lot of NIL deals, but he could do a lot more if that was his priority, but it's very secondary to him being the top pick quarterback next year in the NFL draft. And so I think if we can get high school kids to think the same way, even when NIL is live in every state, hey, this is a way to make some extra money. But the bigger picture here is this is how you get to that next level and go to the best school that can set you up for the level after that. That's going to be really important to keep it in perspective. Right now, there's people who would argue that even though he won the Heisman, and it's coming back to what is favored to be the best team in the country and win a national championship this year, that Bryce Young, from a business standpoint, should have entered the portal just to see what his market value would be this year before he goes back to Alabama. And that's how people are starting to think, which is insane for us to hear, because why would you leave the situation you have at Alabama if you're Bryce Young? So I think a lot of this does, like Shannon said, it's a new market. It has to figure itself out. It has to settle um, regulatory uniformity at least across a conference, is going to be more and more important for somebody to step up and create now. Because if we wait for the federal government to do it, we're going to be talking about 
tampering and all the other things that come with a transfer portal for many years to come before it's settled. Because the federal government's not going to solve this in the next 24 months. Can I chime in real quick? Just Jim, you brought up a great point with Bryce. I was with Bryce this summer, actually, and I did a uh, Larry, um, DTR, Bryce, and uh, CJ Stroud. And the five, and myself, we kind of did a round table on some of these issues, just life issues, uh, and talked to Bryce a lot about this. And his perspective was exactly what you said. He's like, yeah, I'd be an idiot not to use what's happening to provide some revenue platforms. But the second it takes away from my team, the second it takes away from my focus of being the first pick of the draft, the second that it does anything to weigh on me, because there's other things not talking about. Now guys are traveling, they're jumping on a plane to go down to Florida to shoot a commercial on their day off when their coach is given the time to rest and recover. So now they're not recovering, so they're coming back to school. They're not in the same shape. They're not mentally fresh, not physically recovered. He's like, I don't want any of that to happen because that's gonna take away from my ability to go do what I did last year when I was completely invested in doing everything in my power to help my team win and best, be the best player I could be. CJ Stroud chimes in, yeah, I get all these street agents coming to me with all these different opportunities and they're flashing numbers like 50 grand, 100 grand, 150 grand. But you got here's all the strings attached to it. And he's like, at some point, all those strings are gonna take me away from what I'm trying to do. The problem though is that we're talking about really mature kids, kids with great families, kids with great high school coaches, kids with great support systems. It's the ones that don't have those support systems. It's the ones that don't come from the same programs as CJ and Bryce and the other really mature kids that it's the off season that gets them. I'm gonna segue myself here real quick. The biggest danger is I see it because this is what I see happen. When we have them, and when I say we, we mean the coach. Okay, so when the coach, the coaching staff, the support staff has the kids in our watch, they're fine. Okay, because they buy football so great, you buy into something bigger than yourself. So you're buying into team, you're buying into purpose, you're buying into the process, you're buying into a goal. The season ends and we lose them. The, the rules in a lot of these states is season ends, you can't coach them. You can have them for strength and conditioning, but you no longer become the primary voice in their life. The primary voice in their life becomes the street agent, the yeah. seven on seven coach the travel ball coach. And that's where a lot of this stuff is going sideways, is once they leave the team structure and they go to the individualized structure or where somebody else is trying to capitalize yeah. on their brand, that's when this thing gets off the rails. And the same thing happens in college. You say, well, you know, at Ohio State, Alabama, they're always in the building. No, they're not. They The season ends and they get in there for their training table, they get in there for their lift, they get in there maybe for you know, off-season team building function, but they have all these other voices besides Ryan Day and Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and the good voices in their life. They have all these other voices that come to life. And unfortunately, a lot of those voices, they're self-serving for that person, not the player. I think this is, and I don't have an answer, but I know this is one of the biggest problems with the high school space and the college space. So, so you just segued into exactly what I wanted to ask you. So if you're a college coach, how in the heck do you manage a locker room? So, you know, you've got, you've got a very small, you know, tier up here that are getting big deals, making a lot of money. Then you have, a, you have probably a lot of other athletes, you know, 20 through 80 that maybe misunderstand, you know, their value mm -hmm. to, to a degree. And truthfully, they're probably only worth 
no. what the, what they're yeah. kind of getting through their education and all the all or the resources they come with. A place that gives them free all the things on Friday nights all or of whatever. It. Yeah. All of it. And then you've got this next group coming in. You've got eight to fifteen, four and five stars that are making millions. That are making real money. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how how do you manage that? And how are how does a, how's a coach going to handle yeah. that? So I, this is my idea. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not in the college space. Now, I'm with these college coaches all the time. They're recruiting my players. I've known many of them for years. I played with a bunch of them, whatever it is. One thing has to change if you're going to have that dynamic because that dynamic's not going to go away. So we, we can't change that dynamic. It's just going to grow. You're going to have the super haves, the haves, and the have-nots. And I don't think that's ever going to change. The one thing a player wants more than anything else is to be developed. That's the number one thing they want. A player comes to you and he wants to be his best. He wants to become a good, a better player than he is now. The biggest hindrance to that right now in college football is the 20 hour rule. The 20 hour rule is ridiculous. It's the dumbest rule in college football that a college coach only gets 20 hours a week to develop this player. Because remember, go back to my last conversation. If now you had all the time you needed to develop that player and they're in your building, well, guess who the primary voice in their life is? The coaching staff. Yeah. Now you can nurture more. And that's, that's the conversation that isn't happening. Most of these college athletes, as my high school athletes, want to be nurtured. They want to get better, but they also want to be loved. They want father figures in their lives. They want community. They want to play ping pong together. They want to go to meetings. They want to do these things. And the NCAA saying, no, you can't be in the building. No, you have to go actually where it's dangerous. You have to go out into the real world where all these other voices are pounding you about being selfish, making money, go do you, go be you, take care of yours. But when they're in the building, it's about others, it's about development, it's become reaching your best. And I'm like, you gotta change that 20 hour rule so that the have nots feel like at least they have something. They got Coach Dilfer or Coach Shane. Coach Shannon, who's pouring into them and trying to help them become better people and players. So, so we just saw why you love high school sports. Yeah. And you, you, you sat in my pool house for mm -hmm. four hours, and all you talked about, literally four hours, was development. Yeah. And, and being a part and a shepherd and a mentor and a figure in these kids and all the support that you're building. NIL now, the thing I love about it is I really believe the financial literacy. I really think yes. there's a chance now that the athlete sits in that accounting class. I agree. Or that he's paying attention totally a little agree. more. I, I, have, I have talked to, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 former pro athletes. And they, they're all like, and these are from good families to not support. They all say the same thing. I didn't know what in the heck was going on until maybe my second or third contract. Or it was too late. I'm the okay. same way. And I and, came from a great family and, and all the tools yeah, to, and, to help me. And the old guard says, well, you know, they're going to lose all the money or they're going to piss it away or all those things. I'm like, good. Make those mistakes mm -hmm. at this early age before you have kids and families and you make the tens of millions of dollars. on. Mm -hmm. So I love it from that perspective. It's making entrepreneurs out of these, out of these young men. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually giving them real life education with real dollars. Totally agree. And Listen, I see this. Oh, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, there's nothing better about NIL than the fact that it gets kids to work a muscle while they still have the jersey. 
that will set the stage for the rest of their lives. Usually they wait until they're done playing to make connections with people and go out of their shell networking. Usually they wait till after they're done playing to pay more attention to some of the things they learned while they're in college, let alone some of the things they had to learn that their agent did for them. While they're playing now, they have an opportunity to use that jersey. First of all, everybody will respond to them and their emails and their phone calls while they still have the jersey. And now they're being encouraged to go reach out to people. But also these things that you're talking about, Shannon, it's kind of like a knowledge versus behavior thing. And we all know, like we can read books and watch seminars and go to classes and get a 4.0, but until we do it, mess up, do it again and get better, that's where we learn the behavior side. And they're gonna learn behaviors. I firmly believe that, you know, while there are a lot of threats about NIL going into high school, the sooner a young man or woman can understand what their value is and why it's that value, and understand what they got to do to grow it, but also manage it, the better sophisticated they're going to be in every conversation, not just with NIL, but if they're fortunate enough to have a contract or if they're just going to go start a career after sports, that's where the great part about NIL, in my opinion, comes in. So we had a, we did it this summer. Um, you guys asked what we're doing this summer. We do it's called kitchen table conversations. The boys come in, they have to sit at a table. You can't sit at a table until the table's full. So right there you get the clicks are destroyed. And we do these really raw conversations about life and we touch on every subject well we did two sessions on financial literacy and we had we had a guy come in one time and we had a zoom call from another uh ex-player ex-nfl player now does is in the financial services business and he talked to our kids about financial literacy direct specifically to nil because he knows what our room is full of we know we have a corner and two linebackers and a receiver and a quarterback that are all going to make a lot of money and we started this conversation. It goes back to my 20-hour rule. If I'm being recruited and Davos Swinney's recruiting me, Ryan Day's recruiting me, and Nick Saban's recruiting me, I'm the player, I'm the quarterback, I'm a junior in high school, and I go on my official, I better be seeing them say, hey guys, or hey player, Trent, we are gonna provide this for you when you get here. You're gonna have five days a week somebody teaching you financial literacy. You're gonna have all these tools at your disposal so that this chunk of money you're gonna get through NIL, you're gonna learn how to use that, not just now, but in the future and take care of your family for years to come. Because most likely if we develop you properly, you're gonna play on Sundays. And I, I think that needs to become a huge part of recruiting is what are we doing with these kids once we get them to help them grow, nurture, develop, mm -hmm. Uh, their financial literacy muscle. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the deal. I think, I think this part of, of education could speed up the development of the athletes by as much as a decade. So many of these kids come from, from homes where their, their families didn't go to college. I think, and, and, and haven't had those type of experiences, I think this will have generational impact if men like you and, and programs get serious about educating and bringing this part of it and bubbling it up in the process. So many of these kids, they're not gonna play, play professionally, and if they do, they're not gonna do it long enough to actually make a financial difference in their lives. It's about the relationships and, and the experiences they get that they try to learn from early, early enough in life. They, they, they need to trust people. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's something that I'm seeing a lot of, is a lot of them are coming from situations where it's hard to trust what the motivation is for this voice in their life. And when they see that you're trustworthy because what you're doing is you're trying to help them grow as young men also, now I don't wanna ever drop the headline here. 
They all want to be really good football players. So mm -hmm. you got to give them those tools as well to become really good football players. But they want to grow. That is their nature. They want to grow. They want to trust somebody and they want to trust that person to, to help them get them to where they want to go. And now all of it's more than just how fast you are, how you jump, how you, how you catch. It's how are you in the community? How are you with financial literacy? How are you respecting women? How are you with some of these issues that our world's facing right now? Are you getting the tools to be successful uh, in all areas? And if that voice in their life is helping them, well, then they trust that voice. And, and again, I, it goes back to the coaches at whatever level. The coaches, you need to hire coaches with that in, that have that intent and they're not just in it for them. And those coaches have to have coaching staffs that are mentors, not just coaches. Well said. John, are you starting to hear from coaches coming in, uh, from your players actually, about coaches coming in, recruiting them, and bringing up NIL and talking about it? Uh, college coaches? Yeah, you got a lot of players highly recruited. Are you starting to you know, hear from your players that that's a category of the conversation? Like what's the... What's the dialogue when it comes to without, the coaches without naming any names yeah. in, in any schools? I will say this: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had pretty much every school in the country come through our building this year. Um, they're very they're walking on eggshells. Uh, they don't. A lot of them don't know what they can and can't say. Most of them, probably. Yeah, most of them don't know what they can and can't say. Most of them don't want to make that the headline. You know what I mean? Most of them. I, sure. I think there's this understanding that this is going to become a conversation as we move forward. Uh, but right now, they're trying, the good coaches are trying to establish relationships with the coach, with the player. Um, they only have a small window they can do this. You know, the, the head coach especially is only on the road for so long. The other coaches coming out of the two years of COVID where they're, they were so restricted with recruiting, they're just getting back on the road. More important to them, they're trying to, like I said, establish a relationship. They want to see the kid practice, play. They want to see him in the classroom. They want to see how, how he is outside of the football context to see if his character matches what their program provides. Um, so really, it was not a headliner. It was that kind of subtle understanding that this is going to be something, and when it is something, who are we going to be talking to? The reason I bring it up isn't just because of the fact that, you know, we keep hearing it's a part of recruiting and it's probably even more a part of portal conversations with proven athletes that are testing the market than it is even with high school athletes who still have to prove themselves at the college level. But, but also I ask because, you know, just like there's rules around how many hours a week or a month student athletes can be playing their sport. And of course, a lot of that came about from the NCAA, not to defend them, believe me, that's not, not how I make my living, but you know, it came about because everybody was saying student athletes are like full-time employees. So they created time management rules, right? And, and as you said, it ends up putting the student athlete at a disadvantage because now they can't be around the leaders that they look to as much. But the other rule that's hampered the student athlete when it comes to NIL is how involved the school can be, the coach can be, Anybody on staff for the university can be an NIL. And it's created these gaps where street agents like CJ Stroud, you said, brought up to you, or even collectives of donors have started to, to have direct relationships with young student athletes. Um, and a lot of times student athletes are signing something. They don't even know what it is. They don't even know what they're supposed to do. So I was just wondering if any of you know, that's come up in how your student athletes in high school at your program are looking at the school they're going to go to, 
you know, based on any of the resources they're going to be offering to help them with NIL. Yeah, I think one thing we've talked about internally as a staff is we want to make sure if they're coming to us for advice or uh, for people that they can trust that we vetted those people. Um, a lot of them are going to get, <clears throat> let's use an example, uh, high school player A, uh, he's a junior, he's being highly recruited, he's going to leave us after December 1st and he's going to go out in the seven-on-seven -seven world, he's going to be playing basketball, he's going to be doing this other thing and he's going to have all these people say, hey, I can help you, I'm a lawyer, right, I can help you with these contracts or I'm an agent or I once negotiated a, you know, a Jimmy John's deal yeah. <laughs> for my insurance company and the player doesn't know, can I trust this person, can I not trust this person? And again, we've, we've established this, that a lot of people have poor intent and they're trying to capitalize on the athlete themselves. We're trying to say as a staff, okay, are, is there a group from our network? And, and we're very lucky. We're in Green Hills. We have unbelievable people in our community, but we're starting to go to the lawyers in our community. We're starting to go to people that have been in big business. We're going to business owners, um, corporate executives and saying, hey, can we create a group of people that when these players have questions, they know they can trust you. Can you steer them to the right people? Because they got to be awesome. steered to the right people. Where there's nothing in, there's in nothing it for them. In it in it for them. them. And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. There's yeah. nothing in it for the people that are helping these young players navigate these muddy waters. As soon as there's something in it for the person, my personal opinion at this age is don't trust them. That's different than the NFL. I've paid agents millions, right? Mm -hmm. They have a really big job and you know in that relationship on the front end, they're gonna represent you well and they're gonna get paid their due. When I was on TV, same thing. If you get the right agent, he's gonna help you get a better TV contract and he deserves yep. his nut. But not in the high school space, not in this college space. We, we need more mentors again. People that'll come alongside and say, hey, my uncle was an agent, he did Troy Aikman's contract. He's willing to help you navigate these waters, do a couple deals for you, and he doesn't want anything out of it. He just wants to help you. Now, that's somebody you can trust. But as soon as the slick guy comes in with the three-piece suit, and he's like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to get you this. I'm going to get you that. And the kid says, well, what's in it for you? Well, don't worry about that, man. I'll, I'll get mine. You know, I'm going to take 10%. That's, that's not a big number. I would be like, danger, ranger, stay away, want yeah. nothing to do with that person. You know, you're, you're probably the exception and not the rule, though. I mean, you, yeah. have, you have an unbelievable program. You look at things from from a foundation of hiring men and women, at all, from the coaching to the staff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would assume, and I don't know this, we haven't talked about it, is that when things happen with your athletes, they probably run to you guys mm -hmm. before they even go to their parents in, in many situations. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of culture that you've built. Mm -hmm. We we all know that That's not the high school landscape yeah, not does not look like that. Yeah. So. You know, it's going to be interesting. Um, but well, I, I, think I will say type, this. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry. I think I will, I will say this. I think that athletes are learning fast, faster than I thought. We did an NIL summit with 300 athletes in Atlanta. And the amount of athletes that came up to me said, sir, just, just want to make sure I understand how does influencer make money? And, you know, just answering that question. I mean, we built our whole model to prepare for answering that question, which is we only get paid by your school. If you go to a school that has our software, you can use it. We take nothing from your deals. I mean, we wanted to show that motive early in our financial model, but I think kids are asking that question more and more and more because they're seeing horror stories of 
some young man signing away all of his NIL rights for $50,000 because he's never seen that amount of money before. And now he can't do NIL deals anywhere else. And somebody's making all this money off him. More of those stories happen. Hopefully they'll learn faster because they don't at most high schools have the resources that Trent is putting together at Lipscomb. I mean, that's awesome, Trent. That's going to be huge for your kids. Trent, this is, this has been an amazing first show for us. We had a lot of options we could go to, but you know, you checked a lot of boxes because of so many, you know, areas of sports that you've been involved with and, and, and what you're building as a foundation, you know, as, as you've said it, you know, to allow these athletes to be the best people, mm-hmm. best athletes, best fill in the blank they can be. Um, one last question for you leave or, or, or one statement, one platform. If you could give a high school four star, five star type athlete, you know, top 200 kid that can basic, basically go wherever he wants to go. If you could give him one piece of advice around balancing, you know, the, the rigors of academics being, you know, a, a developing athlete and now NIL balancing that, how, what piece of advice would you share with that elite type athlete? Two things, let it breathe. I've seen too often you, you're so quick to jump in to I gotta do boom, 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 boom. And if I don't do it now, I'm gonna miss out. You're not gonna miss out on anything. Nothing's gonna pass you up, right? So let it breathe. Uh, ask good questions. Uh, and then this, the last thing more, more important than any of the other stuff is are you surrounding yourself with people that are getting something from you or doing something for you? And I think just ask yourself that question. Are they getting something from you or are they doing something for you? And that comes with a coach too. I'm not gonna take a shot at coaches, but we've, all, we've had an influx of ambition-driven coaches. That coach is using you for his ambition instead of a coach that is giving you, pouring into you, and you both win. If he wants a better job, he'll get a better job because you're a better person, a better human, a better football player, and making more money in NIL, right? So it all mixes together. But athletes gotta start asking that question. They gotta start asking this question. Is this some, somebody getting something from me or are they doing something for me? If you get that answer, you'll usually go down the right road. Brother, you killed it. I knew, I, I knew you would. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, this is uh, fun. You, this, you is great, this is a great show. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be great for kids to learn, to watch too, because now they can kind of see the conversations going on about them behind the scenes that, you know, their, their heads are spinning. They don't know what's going on in life a lot of times. They need to sit down and listen to this pod, watch this pod, the other resources out there to help them grow in this area. Love it. Love what you're doing. Appreciate you Awesome guys. stuff, Trent, man. You're, you're living out what you're calling others to do, and that's the best part is like, Seeing what you've built in the short period of time you've built it, man, congrats. And, you know, keep impacting young people, man. The more we can do that, the more we can change, really, the future of this world and this country. So appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Jim. We appreciate you tuning in to the Lever Up podcast, available right now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So make sure you subscribe. And make sure you subscribe to both the On3 and Influencer YouTube channels where you can catch all the video content, cut-ups, mashups from all of the Lever Up podcasts. And of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well at On3 and at Influencer. Thank you so much for tuning in today and stay tuned for more great guests to come on the Lever Up podcast.